Happy Monday and welcome to Get Your Goat. Josh here and I have to say congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines earning a spot in the college football playoff proving everyone wrong except for me because I had them going to the playoff. They are the number two team. I'm going to break down why they deserved to be the number one team in the Alabama bias. I'm going to react to all the college football playoff uh, games as well, what happened this past weekend. Then, preview the Patriots-Bills Monday night game tonight. Pivotal game in the AFC East. Are the Bills the real deal? Are the Patriots the real deal? Then, week 13 highlights. A lot of crazy games Happened yesterday. I'm going to go through all of those. San Francisco blowing a game to Seattle. Baltimore coming up short uh, to Pittsburgh. Tom Brady making another MVP case. All that to get into along with my top five teams in the NBA. Let's get started. Tonight's game, New England Patriots, Buffalo Bills battle for number one in the AFC East. If New England wins... They hold serve is the number one team in the AFC. If Buffalo wins, they are the number one team in their division. However, because they lost to Tennessee, they do got they do not get a number one in the uh, conference. So this is a big game tonight for both teams. I think it's going to be a tight game. Uh, down to the wire, is down to the fourth quarter. But at the end, who's going to have to make plays? To me, it's going to have to be the quarterback because right here, I think this is going to be a very, very low-scoring game. I'm not going to say like 7-6 to six or anything like that, but I think a team will get lucky to get 20 points in a game. These are... Two of the best defenses. The Buffalo Bills are legit on defense. The Patriots are legit on defense. The Patriots have the number one scoring defense, I think, allowing 15.8 points a game. Buffalo's number two at 16.5 points per game. And when you look at yards per game, Buffalo's number one in yards at around 275 yards allowed. The Patriots clock in at number four, just around 300 yards a game. So these are two of the top defenses in the NFL. To me, the two best defenses you can make a case for either one. Then you've got the quarterbacks. Mac Jones playing great, efficient football, high completion percentage, high grade, I mean, he, during this six-game win streak for the New England Patriots, has been more than competent, more than just all right, more than just a game manager. He's been making plays. Uh, he's been calm. He's been a leader for this team as a rookie, too. And then you've got Josh Allen, who's great but erratic. Uh, I look at his stats and his numbers and the completion percentage below Mac Jones, but he's thrown more touchdowns, uh, more yards couple more interceptions. He, he just has the arm talent, the strength. I like Josh Allen a lot in a game like this. But then I look at the coaches, and there's a clear-cut favorite. You got Bill Belichick, the master 
of the NFL for the past 20 years, and especially this division. And you got Sean McDermott on the other side, who's come up short in key games against the Chiefs in the championship game, the Patriots in games like this in the past. And I just have a feeling this game is going to go down to the wire. I am picking the Buffalo Bills to win this game. I like their defense just a touch more. They're at home. This is going to be a rowdy environment for Mac Jones, a rookie, to be in. And I look at the last time this game really meant something. It was a few years ago. It was around a Christmas game, second to last game of the year. Bills came into the game at 10 and 3, I believe, or 10 and 4. No, 10 and 4. And the Patriots came in at 11 and 3. And this game was really a four of a division. And the Patriots hung on and won that game 24-17. And we're like, the Bills aren't quite there yet. Uh, maybe next season. And then last season, you know, Tom Brady leaving, uh, Cam Newton at quarterback, uh, COVID issues there for his team. New England really was not a good team. And then you had the Buffaloes just ascend 13-3. and Josh Allen, MVP candidate, was brilliant last year. And now you have both these teams. And to me, they are level. The AFC East is between these two. And this is a pivotal game uh, before they play again in the next uh, two weeks. But I have the Bills winning slightly. I like this pass rush. I think they can get to Mac Jones and disrupt him. Uh, because of that, the New England Bills or the New England Patriots are going to have to turn to their run game. And to me, this is the weakest link of the Buffalo's defense. They are good in pass protection. They are good getting to the passer. However, the Bills have been gashed by good running backs. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, those are the times that they have been beat uh, in this season. Is when they face a running back that just runs it down their throat. That's when they have a tough time. We'll see if Damian Harris can do that. Ramondre Stevenson, what they get open. And we'll see, you know, Buffalo lost Tredavious White against the Saints out for the year. Huge loss for this defense. How does this defense now react, you know, now scheme without one of the best cornerbacks in the game? That's going to be a tall task for this Buffalo defense. This is a Buffalo defense uh, that has faced adversity, a team in general that has faced adversity. But I think Josh Allen wants this. I think he'll be focused. I think Mac Jones will be focused. I think this will be a tremendous game. All the playoff potential there. But I have to roll with the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, it's a crazy spot now because Buffalo Bills look like the team to be, you know, beginning of the year. They were rolling. Everything was looking good. Uh, Patriots were down in the dumps. But now you have the Patriots, who are the number one team in the AFC this is about as good as you get. You're going to have J.C. Jackson going up against Stephon Diggs. Dane Jackson is going to take over for Jadavius White. So what a push this will be. Matt Judon, will he be able to get Josh Allen? Josh Allen's going to have to make plays with his legs. But to me, another key for Buffalo to win this game is can they establish some form of a running game that is not Josh Allen scrambling quarterback draws, making plays, can Devin Singletary break a few runs? Because that is what is needed for the Buffalo Bills is some some type of a running game that makes the defense 
respect him so we don't have to drop, you know, five defensive backs uh, there and then Josh Allen having a big or a tough game. But I think this game will go down to the wire. But in the end, Buffalo will win this game, just barely winning, which will then set up a great rematch in a few weeks. I got Buffalo winning this game. Now looking back to yesterday's Sunday games. Tampa Bay in Atlanta. Tom Brady making an MVP case again yesterday. 38 of 51, 368 yards, and four touchdowns to go along with one interception. Now the one interception was surprising because he threw it right to the defensive tackle, which happened to be a pick six, uh, one of his worst throws he has ever made. So I can't give him an A-plus, 100% grade, but he still gets an A. He is still the best quarterback in the league right now. You had last week, Leonard Fournette running it against the Colts, and they didn't run the ball a lot. As I said, Tom Brady threw 51 passes, and he distributed it. To everybody on his team, Chris Godwin was a clear favorite. 15 receptions, broke the franchise high for receptions for his team. 143 yards, even though he didn't find the end zone. Mike Evans got seven. Gronk got four. Fournette out of a backfield got seven. And then a lot of other uh, people had one. Cameron Bray, Gio Bernard, Ronald Jones. So Tom Brady got the ball out to his team and a game that was kind of shrouded by the Antonio Brown three-game suspension, all this noise. You just had Tom Brady go out and win, didn't really address it after the game, which I thought was professional on his part, uh, not his place uh, to do that, focused on the win, focused on the next one, which he says is the biggest game of the year. I don't know if I think that is the biggest game of the year for the Bucks, but it is certainly a big game, and their hardest test for the remaining year against the Bills, their only game left with a re- with a winning record, only team left, and I think that'll be the only team left they face with a winning record until playoffs start. But Tom Brady, MVP performance, I mean, you can't get uh, much better than that high QBR of 82. I mean, he was just in a groove all day other than that interception. They didn't have to run the ball a lot. Tom Brady is now 10-0 against the Falcons. The Falcons have not beat Tom Brady one time in his career, and things just continue to get worse for the Falcons. Cordero Patterson had a decent day. I mean, Russell Gage, 130 yards. Wasn't expecting that from him, but he had a good day. But you see this offense, no Calvin Ridley. Other players are stepping up, but Matt Ryan, no longer the quarterback he used to be. This defense isn't great either. So this is just an overmatched opponent from start to finish. And maybe this will be a psyche thing, you know, for the Atlanta Falcons, you know, until Tom Brady's no longer a part of a team where they just cannot beat Tom Brady. But Tom Brady is still the clear-cut favorite for the MVP. And to me, one of the best teams in the NFL Right there, you know, with the Packers, with the Cardinals, 
I still like Tampa Bay favored in every one of those matchups moving forward. Uh, they're connecting well. Gronk back has been a huge piece, and this team is going to continue to win games. I think they'll win out and go 13-4. and Yes, I predicted 20-0, and but I believe they'll be 13-4, and or my bad, 14-3, and and still have the one seed. I think they'll be 14-3 and and win out. Arizona and Chicago. Arizona, back to where they were a few weeks ago on the road, dominating an opponent that is simply not as good as them. I mean, we can talk about this Arizona win. Uh, James Conner, great one-handed catch. Kyler Murray scrambling around uh, for some touchdowns. James Conner carrying the rock. But really, this was... Miserable Bears. This was terrible Bears. You know, after their win against the Lions and Matt Nagy's emotional, this this was just bad. Just just bad to watch. Uh, Chicago Bears. Andy Dalton threw four interceptions yesterday. Four interceptions, and they were really all on him. I mean, he was bad, and that's the reason why. Uh, Chicago lost that game if he doesn't decide to give the other team points I think Chicago could have won this game but when you throw four interceptions you take three big sacks you've got a quarterback rating of 11 11 that's not going to cut it that's not going to cut it you had a decent running game with David Montgomery rushing for 112 yards total between the running backs, Montgomery had 90 on his own. But when you're doing that, and Kyler Murray only has to throw 15 passes, 11 of 15, that's like a little practice. That's like a half-hour drill right there for him. Only threw 120 yards, uh, 123 yards. And you know, I wasn't overly impressed with this Cardinals offense or what they did. This wasn't you know a great-looking Cardinals performance. But four interceptions by Andy Dalton... I didn't like it, but that sets up a big game next week for the Cardinals. Monday night against the Los Angeles Rams. And the way the Cardinals looked yesterday, I really do think they can get beat, you know, if Kyler uh, is only throwing 15 passes and they're getting outgained. It's just going to be on the opposing quarterback, not making mistakes. Chargers and Cincinnati. This was a meeting of two teams that are so hot and cold throughout the year. It really is frustrating uh, to watch because you just had the Chargers get decimated by the Broncos. The Broncos, and I'll talk about them in a second. And you had the Bengals have a nice you know, few-game winning streak just killed uh, the Steelers and did the same thing to the Raiders. They were looking good. And then you have Cincinnati look terrible, look lost. They're down 24-0, to the Cincinnati Bengals, in the second quarter. 24-0, to few interceptions by Joe Burrow. It's not looking good. Then all of a sudden, the Bengals decide to come back. And in the fourth quarter, it's 24-22 to Cincinnati. They missed a two-point conversion. Uh, they missed an extra point. So we're down 24 to 22, and you're like, we've got ourselves a game. This is back. And then the team just implodes again. 
in the fourth quarter. And they lose 41-22. to It's unbelievable. I mean, your first and fourth quarter are that bad. You have a great second and third quarter. But your fourth quarter is terrible. Terrible. Uh, it's just, it's bad. Uh, they were outscored 33-0. to zero. In the first and fourth quarter, the Cincinnati Bengals. But the Bengals outscored the Chargers 22-8 to in the second and third quarters. Uh, this is a game of 60 minutes. To me, neither team really played 60 minutes. But the time the Chargers played were a lot better than the Bengals. And the Bengals that they played was not as good. And to me, it's just going to be a battle, you know, for... Those last two wild card spots, I believe, six and seven. It's just going to be what team wants it more. You have Pittsburgh out there on the edge, Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis can get in. So who gets out? Chargers, Cincinnati, who knows? Chargers have an easier road, but they've been hot and cold. They need to win games. Cincinnati has a much rougher road. But I've seen times where they look great. They're one of the best teams. And then I've seen times... For stretches of that game yesterday, where they don't look good, and I talked about taking Joe Burrow over Justin Herbert, there he proves me wrong again yesterday. Another game, Minnesota in Detroit. I was talking about Detroit uh, and Dan Campbell, how I have a lot more faith in Dan Campbell. And yesterday, the Lions finally did it. The Lions, the Detroit Lions, finally won a game. 364 days since their last win. Their last win before yesterday was December 6th of last year. What a tremendous game that was just for the Lions fans there. I'm happy that it happened at home in front of all the Lions fans after such a week of tragedy in the Oxford uh, school shooting that happened in the state of Michigan. To me, what a weekend uh, for Michigan sports, and it just proved the resiliency, the toughness, Michigan winning their uh, conference championship game, which I'll talk about more about soon. Detroit winning this game. Dan Campbell uh, dedicating this win to Oxford. Jay, they just played with a grit and a toughness, and it's that same grit and toughness that I've seen all year that has made essentially most every Lions game a close. Dan Campbell has instituted a great culture into this team, and it's a guy I picked on all offseason, but I've come to actually like and root for. Uh, it's an emotional guy who fires up his team to win, and they delivered yesterday with no time left down uh in the game, it looked like this was a typical game. The Lions were going to lose up 20-6 to at halftime. The Vikings come back in the fourth quarter. It would take the lead 27-23. So now they're going to have to march down. And in two minutes, they engineer a 14-play drive and win with no time left on a fourth down. Jared Goff to Amari uh, St. Brown. What a game. Jared Goff, 296 yards, three touchdowns. 
Kirk Cousins was just all right. Didn't make any special plays, but this defense, not good. It looks like Mike Zimmer is now on the hot seat. I think you lose to the Lions. You should be fired. Mike Zimmer should be fired after two games in a row where they could have won the 49ers last week. The Lions, I believe Mike Zimmer needs to go if they do not make the playoffs this season. That's a loss that's sort of inexcusable. It can't have but really a day of celebration for the Detroit Lions. I believe they're going to continue to build on this, which I said they've been a good team to me. I know record-wise they are the worst team in the league, but to me that is not reflective of how they have played on the field. They have played tough. I think they'll continue to play tough in their remaining games. This is a game they can build off the camaraderie that this team has. And again, the culture, I say, It's establishing something for years to come when they have the talent and the players in the future that they don't have now. Just a great win by the Detroit Lions. Indianapolis and Houston. Indianapolis romped Houston, stomped Houston, whatever you want to say, and shut Houston out. 31-0 game I expected to not even be close. And it was that day. Jonathan Taylor adding to his MVP campaign to where it's right now to me looking like a two-man race with Tom Brady, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor just a little bit behind. I mean, last year, uh, Derrick Henry rushed for 2,000 yards, didn't win the MVP even though I thought so. Uh, so Jonathan Taylor is going to have to get really special to really want to win the MVP but shout out to the Colts, Darius Leonard, in uh, them for shutting out the Houston Texans. The Texans only shut out, second shutout of the season. One to the Bills, and then now to your division rival in the Colts. Carson Wentz played better, 158 yards. A touchdown was efficient, didn't make the key turnovers, which I didn't want to see him make, and he didn't, which was good in this team, executed in every phase of this game. Thoroughly dominated the Texans. I mean, the Texans were just so bad. They only had 141 total yards, 57 total passing yards, and 84 rushing yards. 57. Davis Mills, 49 yards. Tyra Taylor, 45 yards. But when you have the net yards, they both took two sacks. Uh, So that's four sacks total combined, 37 yards. Uh, this team, the Houston Texans, is still not a very, very good team. Who knows what happens now that the Detroit Lions won. They win one more and the Texans don't. Texans then get the first overall pick. And the Texans have a more daunting schedule ahead than the Detroit Lions. The New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins Miami riding a four-game winning streak. I thought they would extend it to five, especially the New York Giants. No Daniel Jones. And Miami did just that. Tua, again, through this win streak, has played great, been efficient, not turning the football over yesterday. 244 yards, two touchdowns. This is the Tua I want to see. I know he's not going to make the crazy plays that he did in uh, Alabama. I know we've got Jalen Waddell. But there he had Devontae Smith, uh, Jerry Judy. uh, He had all those guys. 
but Tua is playing good. This defense is also improved during their five-game winning streak that they had. They have not allowed more than 20 points in a game. This is a team that is turning it around next week, can get to 500, playing the Jets, then the Saints after that. This is still a team I think you have to watch out for. Brian Flores turned this team around with the defense that was good last year. He's doing it again this year. Uh, Tua coming into his own. This is the Miami Dolphins team, as I said, I thought I would see from the beginning. It's taken a while to get there, but it's nice to finally see it. The Giants are dead in the water to me. They're not making the playoffs. Mike Glennon, Daniel Jones, I don't care who it is. The Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Jets. New York Jets had me for a second. They're not going to lie when they were up 18-14. to 14. And then it was all downhill after that. No Jalen Hurts. Gardner Minshew played admirable in his fill-in role. 20 of 25, 242 yards, two touchdowns. Miles Sanders got it going, 24 carries, 120 yards. It was just too much. And the rush defense for Philly was just stout. I didn't think Zach Wilson had that bad of a game. I thought he was just all right. But when the team can only muster 70 yards rushing, this does not help a rookie quarterback. The penalties don't help either. 66 yards, not having the ball a ton. Philadelphia moving it with a rushing attack. A big win for Philadelphia to stay within the playoff picture, to stay within the division picture as well. That was a win Philadelphia needed, especially with no Jalen Hurts in the game. Jacksonville Jaguars, Los Angeles Rams. Didn't think this game would be close, and I'm glad it wasn't close and I was right on that. Again, Los Angeles needed a win. Have lost three in a row. They needed something to snap the kid or snap the skid. What better way to do it than being at home playing the Jacksonville Jaguars? Rams needed this. Matthew Stafford didn't turn the ball over, uh, thankfully, because it's been a while since he's done that. 295 yards, three touchdowns, took a big shot, went out for a play. Continue to monitor that is, you know, it seems like in the past seasons, near the end of the year, he'll take a shot or two, and it kind of really derails him, derails the team. But him and Cooper Cup, definitely on the same page yesterday. No Daryl Henderson. Sony Michelle carried it, 24 carries, 121 yards, one touchdown. I always thought Sony Michelle was the better back than Daryl Henderson. I saw that in the Patriots scheme as well. I'm glad they were able to use Sony Michel. This defense, you know, that has not been living up to its standards, not been as well as advertised. The Jags definitely came up to play yesterday, not allowing more than 200 yards. And in the first half, didn't allow more than 100 yards. This was a win the Rams sorely needed. They got it to remain there in the fifth wild card spot. Now they take on the Cardinals in a pivotal divisional game. Playing catch-up now, that is one they have to win. They lose that. I think the Cardinals essentially win the division because the Cardinals will have a three-game lead uh, with them being 11-2 and and the Rams 
eight and five, so a three-game lead. But then essentially it's a four-game lead because of the tiebreak, and they'd have four games left. So I think the Cardinals would actually win the division if they win next week. That's how big of a game that is on Monday coming up. Rams need a best to just feel this type of feeling and not having one in over a month, not winning it all in November. And now they are back in the win column facing a tough Cardinals team next week. Washington and Vegas. Vegas, Vegas, Vegas. Thought they could do it after a great performance against the Cowboys. And they lose to the football team. On the last second field goal. I didn't think Derek Carr did anything wrong. He didn't do anything great. But I didn't think he did anything you know, bad or costly. Uh, Taylor Heineke was good. But to me, these are, this is a perfect example of two. These are two 6-6 six six teams. Two 500 teams that are just alright, mediocre at best. Uh, teetering between the 6 and 7 mark, the 7 and 6 mark coming up. But Washington has now won four straight. I can definitely say they are the hotter team. And now they only have, only have Washington football team. They only have divisional opponents left on their schedule. Two against the Cowboys, two against the Eagles, one against the Giants. That's going to decide... If they stay in the playoffs, if they win the division, if they miss, that to me is like the most crucial schedule coming up for a team, and it's the Washington football team. Then you have the Raiders, who I don't know what to expect from them as well. You know, you you know, to score up the wazoo on the Cowboys, like I said, and you come crashing down back to earth against the football team. Now you have some divisional opponents left, the Chiefs, the Chargers. You also have a game against the Colts. This is a telling stretch for Raiders. I think for Derek Carr, he has to lead them to the playoffs. When's the last time he's done it? I mean, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. But there are winners and there's losers in this league. And I just don't know if Derek Carr is a winner. It's as simple as that. Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Another game that went right down to the wire. And it was sort of back and forth, really, in the fourth quarter. Not much going the first three quarters other than a 10-3 lead by the Ravens. Then it was kind of back and forth, touchdown Steelers, field goal Ravens, field goal uh, Steelers, and a touchdown with two minutes left, can the Ravens two-minute drill score a touchdown? One timeout. I had faith. Lamar Jackson. He's done it before, uh, multiple times. Uh, didn't have faith in the Pittsburgh defense either against Lamar. And what do they do? The Ravens march down the field and get the touchdown with 12 seconds left. And then they decide to go for two. I was surprised they lined up for two right away. Then the Steelers call a timeout. I don't know if they weren't expecting it, so they wanted to get the personnel out there. And the Ravens still did it. Uh, and before I get to what happened to the play, John Harbaugh, coach for the Ravens, said he needed to because they had no cornerbacks. Marlon Humphrey, 
got injured. The other corner got injured. So they didn't want to go to another overtime because they think they'd get picked apart right away. And you're basically leaving it to the coin toss because if they get the coin toss, I think the Ravens score first and win. But if the Steelers get it the way they maneuvered that last drive, they could very much as well have won the game. So they wanted to go for the win right away. And it was an excellent play call, sort of a play action uh, fake. You know, everybody's like blitzing on Lamar. Lamar throws a touch pass to Mark Andrews, and it's just poor execution of a good play call to where they got Mark Andrews in the flat open. I think if the ball was a strike instead of lofting it in the air, that's a catch. Uh, I think Mark Andrews could have extended, but he was sort of stumbling. So you kind of let Pittsburgh back in the playoffs. I were hoping they would never win another game. Here they are winning a game. Uh, Disappointing. Then after the game, Mike Tomlin says, you know, Ravens are predictable. I'm glad you're calling shots when you're a 6-5-1 team who's been blown out by the Bengals twice this season. You lost to the Chargers. You actually tied with the Lions. I mean... This ain't a good Steelers team. If anybody wants to talk about predictability on offense, it's the Steelers. It's Big Ben in this team. Uh, That's a setback as I didn't want the Steelers to win another game. Hopefully the Vikings con artist Kirk can do it on Thursday and the team's ahead of them. But nope, nope, nope. I do not want to see Pittsburgh in the playoffs. They're just not a competitive team. I know this Ravens... Uh, Steelers rivalry brings out everything every year. But again, don't think the Steelers are a legitimate team. And then it was reported that this is probably Big Ben's last season playing football. And that's just for the best. He hasn't played good. He hasn't really looked good uh, this year. He's looked old, uh, not mobile, statuesque in the pocket. It's time for him to be done. If he was playing like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, I get staying around. But you're not, and you're more of a hindrance. And to me, this could also spell the end of Mike Tomlin. I don't think he's making the playoffs. I think he'll have a losing record. And it's just time. Mike Tomlin has enjoyed a lot of success with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. You see their picks they made. The Devlin Hodges, the Mason Rudolph, uh, the... Other kids we picked up and don't have any more. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, behind Ben Roethlisberger, I don't see much. This is not a great quarterback class. This could be nearing the end, I think, of Mike Tomlin's time in Pittsburgh. Seattle and San Francisco. Pick San Francisco up most of the game as well. You know, 17-7. to A 23 to 14 and San Francisco decides to just lose the game let the uh, Seahawks get 16 straight points and the turnovers killed them two interceptions by Jimmy Garoppolo you just can't have Travis Benjamin fumbling the ball as well Uh, a sack that he took I mean these are just little mistakes you can't make George Kittle had a tremendous day. I want to just say whoever started him, you're lucky. I decided not to start him as my tight end in fantasy. Went with Travis Kelsey. 
and I lost because of that disgusting move that I made. It sickens me when a player gets like 40 points on my bench and I have nothing to do about it. But Seattle, a week after I said, fire Pete Carroll, get rid of Russell Wilson. Here they are coming back and winning. But this is what I think this mostly is. I I don't think the Seahawks are going to run the table and, and get in. They still have to play the Rams at Los Angeles and then the Cardinals at Arizona. Uh, this is just San Francisco's inability to beat Seattle. We said this with Sean McVay and San Francisco. The inability to beat uh, the 49ers, this is the same thing, but 49ers to the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks have won like 16 of the past 19 games against the 49ers, dating back to 2013. I mean, it's kind of been a decade run long of dominance for the Seattle Seahawks against the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers took a hit in the playoff hopes. They're still in there, uh, but they're just hanging on by a threat at this moment. Even Denver and Kansas City. Never in a million years would I think with the offense Kansas City have that the defense would be carrying Kansas City to where they are at now. The defense has played great in their uh, five-game winning streak that they've had. I mean, they shut down Denver. They're not having allowed a team to score more than 20 points in their win streak. That's how good it's been. But in order to win the Super Bowl... They're going to need more on offense. Patrick Mahomes just looks all right. 15 to 29, not even 200 yards. An interception, no really semblance of a rushing game as well. They only had 267 yards of offense. The Broncos had 404. They easily could have won this game. But two interceptions by Teddy Bridgewater won a pick six. Which gives them seven points, so you're looking at 15 to nine. A fumble lost. I mean, the turnovers for Buffalo has hurt this team. Patrick Mahomes, you know, has said that the Chiefs are on their way to finding themselves. I hope so, because you haven't found yourself yet, Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to get a lot better to win this. And it's not just because I started you in fantasy and you did absolutely nothing yesterday, it's just your offense. As a whole, I don't know if I need to call out Andy Reid. Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy was one of the hot candidates. Now I'm like, I'm kind of happy Eric Bieniemy didn't go to any of the teams I wanted to see him go to because this offense has looked stale. It's looked stagnant. It's an inability to adjust. And I think everybody's at fault. I think Patrick Mahomes is Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. They're going to have to find some offense in the next five games and find it fast. Because this is not an offense that anyone fears going in to the playoffs. So a lot happened in week 13 in the NFL. Moving on to the NBA. I'm going to give you my top five teams in the NBA right now. Number one, the Golden State Warriors. One of the best offensive teams. They just beat the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns beat them. So they were number one for like a day. And then Golden State came right back and beat them. They have the MVP in Steph Curry. Draymond Green is playing good. Uh, this team has the highest point differential as well. At 12, the only one in double digits. They are winning games. Winning games by a big margin. 
and they are close to getting Clay Thompson back as well, will make this lineup even more dangerous. Number two, the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns beat Golden State. I've got to give them respect. They had an 18-game winning streak as well. Chris Paul playing like an MVP. DeAndre Ayton has also been playing well. This team defensively locked in. Uh, it's sort of like a continuation of last year where he started 1-3. and three, But nobody remembers that now. It may be except for me. But they're a different team where they started their first four games. Number three, the Brooklyn Nets. Best team in the East. Uh, not the West or the whole thing. Just the East. Kevin Durant playing like an MVP. James Harden. This whole season hasn't been his former self. He's shown spurts in some games. But Kevin Durant is his team's MVP, is right there in the MVP race at second. And they're still hanging on, even if they're losing to good teams, which is a team they just lost to, and who's my number fourth team. The Chicago Bulls are they back to finding themselves. Started off hot, then got a little cold, but they've won three in a row now. Three in a row now. Just beat the Brooklyn Nets, which was a big win. They beat the Knicks. As well, they beat the Lakers. They beat the Clippers. Uh, This is a team that I think is good. It's good defensively as well, allowing just around 105 points. One of the better defensive teams uh, for a team that is in playoff contention and is a top team. Number five, the Utah Jazz. Why? They are now the best offensive team in the country, in the nation, in the NBA, whatever you want to say. 114 points a game, led by Donovan Mitchell, who is playing great. Uh, offensively, they are now better than the Golden State Warriors. They've also won four in a row, eight out of their past ten. They are back to where they were after a little stint after starting off hot. They are back to where they started. Utah Jazz are still a formidable team, and I think will be a tough out come playoff time. So those are my top five teams. The Utah Jazz, the Chicago Bulls, the Brooklyn Nets, the Phoenix Suns, and the Golden State Warriors. And tonight, there's a lot of games on NBA. A lot of them mismatches, you know, Magic Warriors, Spurs Suns, uh, Wizards Pacers. And the game they're showing on TV is the worst game they could show on NBA TV. It's the Thunder and the Pistons. The Pistons are the worst team in the NBA. The Thunder are the second to worst team in the West. And the Thunder is a team that just got blown out by like 73 points last week. That's the game they're going to show me. A 6-16 six and 16 Thunder team against a 4-18 and 18 Pistons team? Really? I mean, both these teams are bad. Is that something the NBA product really wants to promote? That's when they're going to let me watch. The Thunder in the Pistons? Can't believe it. Moving on to the NHL. Connor McDavid ejected yesterday for boarding uh, Adrian Kempe. It was a good call. Definitely a board. Not a play we're used to seeing Connor McDavid make. I want to see the league's reaction of his play because he's not a dirty player. I definitely think he should be uh, suspended because it was a clear, cheap shot to the numbers, clear board. He w- was ejected. I would like to see some 
suspension, even though in the past star players really have not been suspended uh, for actions like this, you know, the McKinnons and everything like that. I want to see if the league takes some sort of punishment or if it's just the ejection. Then also, the Flyers have fired their head coach, Elaine Vigneault, was in his third year of his five-year contract, but the Flyers, you know, have lost eight straight games, second-worst team in the Metro. They haven't been playing good. Carter Hart uh, is a goalie a lot of people were high on a few years ago. Last year, this year, hasn't been good. I think it's time for a, a reset in Philly, and it does me well. I'm a Pittsburgh Penguin fan, so the more turmoil and bad news that's happening down in Philly, the better it benefits me and makes me feel better uh, of that disgusting flyer team uh, down there in that dirty city of Philadelphia. Now moving on to college football. Reaction to the college football playoff rankings. The four teams end, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati, in that order. I am fine with the teams that are in. Those to me were the four best teams throughout the season, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati. However, I have a problem with the actual rankings of them. I know I'm a Michigan fan, but this is not a Michigan bias when I put Michigan at 1, Alabama 2, Georgia 3, Cincinnati 4. I Part of this, I will say, full transparency, is to avoid an SEC rematch in the final. I don't want to see an Alabama-Georgia rematch in the final. I just don't. I know Jesse Palmer said yesterday, it's a real chance there could be no SEC team, but I really do think Alabama's going to beat Cincinnati. I think Michigan will beat Cincinnati. Georgia will beat Cincinnati. I've got no faith in Cincinnati. I've been transparent on that all year. But I look at it like this. When I heard Gary Barta, the chairman, uh, say this uh, yesterday, it, to me, looked like they were focusing on one game. And Alabama has the best one. They beat the number one who was number one all year in Georgia. But to me, it sounded like they were just focusing on the win that just occurred, that they just beat Georgia, and forgot that the weeks before that, they almost lost to Auburn in four overtimes. Arkansas almost beat them. LSU almost beat them. Tennessee had a lead on them. I mean, this is a team that is good, but is 7-6 and six against the spread. I mean... They haven't been dominant. Bryce Young's been good. This defense has issues. Some of it got fixed, but I look at a season as a whole. They weren't as dominant as Michigan. Michigan, on the other hand, uh, 11-2 against the spread compared to them 7-6. and six. They dominated Ohio State, which was a two-team, which is why they moved up spots and passed Alabama. They dominated Iowa in a fashion no one else dominated the college football championship playoff games. 42-3 to is what Michigan did to a 13-ranked Iowa team. Michigan was dominant all year. I look at the FPI, the strength of schedule, the resume comparison, all that. Alabama gets the slight edge in all those categories. But then the other thing you have to take into field is the eye test. The performance on the field in Michigan, to me, has looked like a more dominant team on both fronts of the football offensively and defensively, special teams, best special teams uh, uh, team in the country. That's why 
they would be number one. I'd have Alabama at two, slightly behind. I like Georgia three, Cincinnati four. Now previewing it, I'll preview it more in detail later. But I do think Alabama matches well with Cincinnati. I think Alabama beats them. I think they're favored by 13 points. I could easily see that happening. I know we just lost John Mechie, but I believe Alabama has a Heisman winner in Bryce Young. I think the finalists get announced today. I think the finalists will be Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh, Bryce Young, Alabama, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, Aiden Hutchinson, Michigan. And I think Bryce Young will get it. I think he deserves to get it after the performance he put on Georgia. I think Alabama will beat Cincinnati, even if the loss of Mechie hurts this team. Then 2-3. and three. I like Michigan to win this game. They're a 7.5-point underdog. I don't agree with that. Uh, Georgia was 8-5 and five against the spread. And I look at their teams. Yes, they were dominant. Defense dominant. Had like three shutouts. But I look at the teams they played. Clemson fell off this year. Arkansas fell off. Auburn fell off. Kentucky was decent. And then they lost to Alabama. So is this a byproduct of your schedule? I said they're a really good offensive team. I got some flack uh, because a lot of people think they were an elite offensive team. I just thought really good. And I was proven right, I think, on Saturday when they faced a great team in Alabama. This offense was just good, really good. But Stetson Bennett had some key turnovers that were bad. I think Michigan can really beat Georgia. Uh, Of course, that's the key matchup. But I think Michigan matches well defensively. They can generate the pass rush. I like Cade McNamara more than JT Daniels and them, even with the J.J. McCarthy package in there. I think Michigan can handle Georgia, uh, but I'll dive more into these games later. My college picks, I was 4-6. and six. Not a great weekend for me. I picked UTSA to beat Western Kentucky, pull off the upset. Right about that, Utah-Oregon. I thought Oregon could do it. Utah slaughtered them once again the last game, 38-7. to This was 38-10. to Then there were reports of Mario Cristobal, you know, will they off- we offered him a contract extension, but he was eyeing Miami. Could this be the Lincoln-Riley situation where maybe Lincoln knew USC, so he kind of gave up, didn't want to coach her anymore? I think the same thing with Mario Cristobal. Uh, this was just a poor effort, embarrassment, by Oregon, Mario Cristobal wanting to go out there. Makes sense now that he'd accept this Miami job. When to me, the Oregon job he currently has is better than the Miami job. Miami, you have to compete for recruits in the SEC with Florida. You've got Florida State in the ACC with you. But you've got other teams that go down there and try to get players. The Alabamas, the Georgias, the Michigans of the world. Everybody tries to go to get Florida to recruit. It's a tougher trail ahead for Mario Cristobal. I know Lincoln Riley just came to USC, but you're not even in that division, even though it's the same conference. I would have liked to seen him stay there because I thought he did something good uh, with Oregon, even though we weren't to, you know, even though we were at, weren't actually winning against the better teams. You know, they beat Ohio State this year. They couldn't beat Utah once uh, in the two times they played them. Uh, Maybe Mario Cristobal was just distracted. Baylor, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State fell up an inch short 
and beating Baylor on the last play of the game. But that shouldn't overshadow it. Spencer Sanders, their quarterback, threw four interceptions. He doesn't throw four interceptions. Oklahoma State probably wins this game, uh, but the four interceptions killed this team, uh, knocked them out of the playoff hopes, any dash that they had right away. Kent State, Northern Illinois, awfully wrong on that one. Kent State won. Utah State, San Diego State. San Diego State 11-1 in during the game. Utah State 9-3, picked San Diego State. Utah State just routed them 46-13. to San Diego State didn't show up. They should have just uh, went home, uh, not even dressed for the game. Appalachian State, Louisiana. Thought Louisiana was winning. I was right on that one. Tremendous game. Uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns held off a late surge and won 24-16. Congratulations, Raging Cajuns. Georgia, Alabama. Thought Georgia would win a close one. But Alabama blew them out, as I said, and which is why they earned the number one seed. Uh, underdog mentality. I mean, why bet against an underdog Alabama where everybody is saying, Georgia's going to win, Georgia's going to win. Alabama was great. Bryce Young was great. 421 yards, three touchdowns. The defense was good. This Georgia team flatlined on its biggest stage. Houston, Cincinnati. Thought Cincinnati would win, and there they did. Prove me right. Desmond Ritter was efficient. Uh, Jerome Ford was brilliant running the football. I mean, what a great team effort. Defense as well uh, by the Cincinnati Bearcats. Michigan, Iowa. Thought Michigan would dominate. They thoroughly did. The big plays early. The Donovan Edwards to Roman Wilson. Uh, Blake Corum's. Long run. Cade McNamara playing calm and composed. Just routed them. Again, played for uh, the state of Michigan uh, for Oxford. Scored 42 points in honor of Tate. Uh, and just what a performance by the Michigan Wolverines, who I thought that performance deserves a number one seed. Just dominant win after dominant win. Pittsburgh Wake Forest. Thought Wake could pull out the win, and it was close. It was 24-21 at halftime, Pittsburgh. And then they just don't even show up in the second half. Pittsburgh scores a 21 points in the second half. They win 45-21. Congratulations, Pitt, on winning the ACC, making it to a New Year's Bowl game. And then last but not least, I'm just going to wrap up with my top five teams in college Basketball. Number five, the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Yes, Gonzaga just lost to Alabama. Sort of a shocking loss, but to me, this proves that college basketball, it's a tight race right there with a lot of good teams. They're definitely one of the better teams, but any night you can get shocked, and Gonzaga did. Number four, UCLA. Ever since losing to uh, Gonzaga, they have been great. Just beat UNLV uh, and then also Colorado in their division. Uh, UCLA has been playing great, led by Johnny Juzang. Number three, Duke. Yes, they drop a few spots because they just lost to Ohio State. Haven't played since. I want to see if they're able 
to rebound in the month of December uh, for that game. Number two, Baylor. Team that is undefeated at the moment. It is 8-0, playing great basketball. Is also the defending champions from last year. So I have to give them some props because they're reigning. They're defending uh, team a lot of, I think, a team a lot of people that got lost in the mix to start the year between Coach K's farewell tour and Duke, how good Purdue was, Gonzaga, UCLA. But Baylor is still holding strong. But the number one team is Purdue, deservedly so. Knocked out good teams in Villanova, North Carolina, uh, Florida State, Iowa, uh, dominating Jaden Ivey, tremendous Travion Williams, uh, Stasha Stefanovich. They're all playing good for Purdue, deserving of the number one team in college basketball. So those are my top five teams in college basketball. Gonzaga, UCLA, Duke, Baylor, and Purdue. This has been Get Your Goat. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.